We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of The Empire Strikes Back on May 21st, 1980. It was written by Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan from a story by George Lucas, directed by Irvin Kirshner, and released by 20th Century Fox. I want to start with a disclaimer. If you're a big fan of Star Wars, we are not going to tell you anything that you don't know. And I will probably tell you a few things that you know are not true. (laughs) So don't bother telling me. (laughs) There's plenty of Star Wars information on the internet if you need it. I'm doing the best I can. Well, to be fair, Patrick and I are not really Star Wars people. I am a Star Wars people. We We have a resident Star Wars person. And he's going to try and keep us on track, but even Richard can't meet the demands of the Star no. Wars community. It, no it's, one can. It's, <laughs> the the information is is oversaturated in the ether. I'm sure that if you're listening to this, you, this isn't your first time seeing Empire. For most people, it isn't. Yeah. But also, there are probably podcasts completely dedicated to this information. Yes, well so. researched. That people who like read books about Empire Strikes Back in preparation for it. It's a. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to research this stuff because there's so much information. I couldn't find any trivia at all. The IMDb trivia page is blank for this movie. No one seems to have heard of it that I talked to. <laughs> so I'm skipping the making of portion of <laughs> this episode. Well, I will. Uh, so I did Patrick the favor uh, here of, of taking one for the team. I watched a couple of documentaries about the making of this, uh, so I have a few tidbits to sprinkle in here, but it's going to be minimal. <laughs> well, that will be helpful, but I, th- I think in general we'll just move through it in the order of the story, and uh, that should be fine. Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Well, so before we go in, do you want so the so the budget of the movie was uh, $18 million, Was it really? Which I thought was incredible considering the sets that they had to build for this thing because you know so much of this was obviously you know practical they had to build all these physical sets you know the the hangar uh i assume some of it is recycled from the first movie though right i don't at least the interior of the millennium falcon well maybe yes perhaps that part but a lot of that stuff is new all of the dagobah stuff all of the hoth stuff all of that is is brand new and uh, and they spent uh, seven million of it on the special effects itself, which I'm just like, wow, there's just not not much left, which I, I thought was pretty incredible because all of those physical sets that they built were were so huge. They actually had to expand one of the stages. And then um, for the for all the hot stuff, they were in Norway on the side of like a glacier, which oh, was okay. just incredible. Uh, apparently they picked the place because you could reach it. Well, you could reach most of it by rail, so they could actually like ship the stuff in. That makes because sense. Because there's so there's there was so much gear that they had to get over there for Hoth, and they had these incredible like giant like I don't know what to call them. They're not snowmobiles. These giant like tractor things, you know, with the with like the uh, 
Tank treads? Tank treads on yeah. them. Like, to... I usually call them like snow cats or yeah. things like that. But they're just hauling all this gear up on the side of a glacier and all these people up there. It just, it was pretty incredible. They actually use a real uh, mountain rescue team from Norway to play uh, a bunch of the rebel soldiers. Uh, and apparently, like, communicating with them wasn't the easiest thing because obviously their their English might not have been perfect. So they're trying to instruct these guys on how to, like, and there's also like, hundreds of them. Yeah, yeah. It's just pretty incredible. That's funny. So the weather was actually worse than they anticipated for the for the film shoot. So it was really, uh, really, really cold, really snowy, uh, high winds. Uh, so they had to match all of that stuff when they were back, uh, you know, on the, on the stage set. Uh, and they had to heat the cameras because otherwise the film stock would freeze and oh, snap. Geez. So they had, so they were like covering the cameras in between sets. They were heating the film. They had to change the oil in the cameras to like a thinner oil just to keep it going mm-hmm. in the in that cold uh, area. It's like the opposite of the problems they had on Fury Road, where the film was like melting because they were shooting in South Africa in like record heat. Yeah, yeah, but I thought it was pretty incredible. They actually tested the cameras beforehand by putting them in freezers to make sure that it would work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, vehicles and whatnot uh, in like places like Alaska and Upper Norway and all that stuff have to. It's not just the oil that needs to be changed, but the 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 coolant has to be different. Yeah. Um, you have to use different blends of gasoline. Um, it it's it's all different kinds of car maintenance and vehicle maintenance. So it, I guess it stands to reason that the cameras would the have cameras the same issue. It, yeah. Oh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting that they talked about was. Um, the the director was talking about the aesthetic was based on like physical reality so they didn't they didn't make it futuristic oh okay uh, which i think is why it actually holds up so much better than a lot of science fiction at the time because they didn't try to make it things that didn't exist they tried to base it in reality that that all of the stuff that could exist now yeah you know did exist so it wasn't futuristic which i thought i think is a credit to the film being still really watchable today yeah that makes sense there's nothing in it that you don't understand what it is when you see them setting up a gun turret it's like oh that's a gun you know when they're at controls and 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 uh flipping switches like it's like i understand that they're doing things it's not like these weird like ultra sci-fi like holographic images or anything like that there people got guns when a yoda shows up you're like that's a yoda yeah that's a yoda (laughs) it's based in reality well he said it wasn't he said it's not science fiction he said he said this science fact well no we bred a a yoda he called it a fairy tale and i think that makes sense because he's like we didn't do uh you know we didn't do science fiction here because in science fiction you have you know, all of this futuristic stuff that's supposed to be based in science and there's just all these facts that have to go around and it's like... I feel like the closest thing you get to that here is the Cloud City stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he said that they just eliminated all the jargon from the movie. So there's like, everything is just really... Straightforward. Straightforward. Like, you get the audience on board, you believe it, and that's a fairy tale. It's not science fiction. It just happens to be taking place in space. Well, and see, like, that's where, like, Star Trek is the opposite. Star Trek is always about the science. Yes. Like, well, it's while it is fuzzy science, they are rationalizing how things work. Right. In Star Wars, how does the hyperdrive work? You don't need to know how the hyperdrive works. It just works. Right. When it doesn't work in this movie, which it doesn't often. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, and, and they do like throw a lot of like a couple of things like you know, the negative power couplings and the hydro spanners and things like that. But but 
the hyperdrive itself isn't like they they don't talk about like well it compresses the light weight it, it, they don't go into that yeah, yeah. like w- with Star Trek when they are talking about like when they're transporting people and they they actually will explain how everything works right but a lot of that is also made up techno jargon correct but, but for the most part they're they're trying to base it in some kind of a reality and and let you the viewer know how mm-hmm. it how it functions I would also guess that that eighteen million dollar budget was for the original cut because I I would guess they've spent that multiple times over updating visual oh, effects yeah. in the meantime yeah the so the we should say that the version we watched is the one that's currently on disney plus which is definitely which we should probably give the exact date that we watched it on disney plus because they're gonna update this movie every six months <laughs> probably but yeah it's definitely the updated visual effects so uh you know Yes, well, I will enter. Will I say that I watched the original theatrical cut? Okay, so no updated visual effects for me. Yeah, I I kind of wish that I had watched that cut in retrospect because watching the movie, it's not fair to compare this to 1980 films because the visual effects are clearly not 1980s quality. And I, I know this movie was like ahead of the game in terms of its visual effects. Mm-hmm. Like it, it broke a lot of boundaries. But I don't know exactly how good it looked because I don't have the original cut. So I just have I just have the newest version of it to look at and be like, right. oh, well, it looks really nice now. <laughs> I don't know what it looked like when people watched it in theaters. I was pretty mesmerized, though, watching the... Um, it- so I, I watched two different documentaries. I didn't finish the second one, unfortunately. But it was the documentary about special effects that was on the laser disc edition okay um and i was just mesmerized by the fact like how they used to do these visual effects like they're so painstaking yeah uh you know they built a custom um a new optical printer for this process that they had uh so many visual effects shots that had so many elements in them there was you know elements that the 15 to 20 elements that they were comping together in these visual effects there was like 440 some visual effects shots yeah and each one is going to require like a matte painting and roto and mm-hmm. you know all this feedback it was just it's just crazy and it's all being done by hand in the right 80s. right hand animating all these laser effects and, and stop motion effects the stop motion yeah it took them you know a couple hours to do a second of of stop motion footage and they're matching it back to the original footage that they shot to make sure that they're like right you know everything is matched i'm just like this is amazing the amount of effort that goes into this and then you look at how we do it nowadays and you're like man these guys are lazy (laughs) (laughs) you're like how did you only get like two minutes for a whole day's work and make it all blue yeah (laughs) i want everything in this movie to be a shade of blue I didn't know there was so much green in all the galaxy. <laughs> they also had built a um, custom uh, uh, motion control rig for the cameras that, that hadn't existed before. So they, they were matching the original camera motions from, from the live action sets to the, the miniature the model cameras. And so that was that was full custom camera that motion control set that was made for this. That's very cool. Getting into the the actual plot now. Um, we start with our episode five title, The Empire Strikes Back, and we get yellow words floating off yeah. into space. Um, I imme- immediately disagree with some of these words. <laughs> I was like, it's like the rebel force is led by Luke Skywalker. It's like, 
He's not the leader. He's not the leader. <laughs> he's there. He's 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 hanging out. <laughs> like Leia's not even the leader right now. She's there, but yeah. the general is the one that's like yeah. in charge. Yeah, Leia doesn't become like an official general. She's still in charge. She's giving orders. I love the scene. Well, we'll get to it where she's surrounded by the men and she is dwarfed in comparison to their size, but she is the one clearly giving the orders to them. But uh, yeah, I don't like that. It says that led by Luke Skywalker. Uh, It's a little odd, (laughs) but yeah, they're, they're hiding in this base on Hoth after having destroyed the death star. And basically Darth is looking for them. We see a star destroyer pushing through space and dropping a bunch of probes just like a handful of these spheres into space. Yeah, there's they're they're just like casting a wide net. Yeah. And a couple of these are going to like each nearby planet to try and look for signs of life and specifically rebel life. Um, Luke rides a tauntaun through snow and he sees one of the probes crash. He thinks it's a meteor and uh, he radios in that he's going to check it out before he heads back to the base. And then right as he's about to check it out, he's attacked by the abominable snowman. Yeah. <laughs> a wampa right is that what the thing is that attacks him yes because it's just called snow monster in the credits yeah yeah uh, it, it is it is in the star wars terms is called a wampa okay so this thing looked miserable to shoot on set yeah so the guy is actually dressed in like a full suit in order to to play this what is it a wampa 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 thank you so he's like seven feet tall the actor is like seven feet tall and he's on like two foot stilts, and then you really? the, and then you put the mask on, and he's like eleven feet tall and can't see anything, and he's walking through soft snow in these two foot stilts, Ugh. and you know in this giant bulky suit, and he's you know having to like drag a you know a fake body behind him, and like it just looks he keeps falling down on set, it just looks totally awful. That's insane, and I'm pretty sure this the whole plot point of him getting attacked by this monster was originally put in to explain scars on mark hamill's face from a car accident well, it's not just in. not just scars but the entire reconfiguration of his nose yeah um which i still don't notice like yeah looking at this movie. I, I guess if you do if you do a side by side you can definitely see that he looks different like he's lost a lot of weight but the accident happened actually during the filming of Star Wars 77. The first one, okay. Um, he had wrapped but was due back for reshoots when he got into the accident. And so they had to use a double for the reshoots. Oh, okay. Um, the, they weren't anything where you needed to see his face, but they would have preferred to have obviously more Camel in costume. But at the time, no one cared because no one knew who Mark Hamill was. Right. Because the movie hadn't come out yet. Yeah, this uh, was his first like massive thing. So after the huge success of Star Wars, when now he's... You know they had to they had to put uh, skin grafts on his face and uh, it it was it was an ordeal and he looked he looked different I mean not so different that you think that they recast him but I guess they felt it necessary to to just kind of explain and I yeah. think that the script still called for this attack and it was just a happy coincidence that they could use it to kind of like put stuff on his face and he said that they they used his real scars. And also added some makeup to enhance them a little bit. But but they also, there's there's pretty close-up footage before the attack, too. But he's wearing, like, goggles. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a microphone or a, a walkie in front of his face. So they're, they're at least able to cover it up mm-hmm. enough that 
you don't notice it before the attack. And, and there and there are scenes that are cut. Um, uh, it's been a while since I watched the special edition, so I don't know how much additional stuff is there. Because I know that there's additional Wampa scenes uh, in the special edition, but uh, it just keeps adding Wampa scenes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's there's a scene where I think was there in your version of a Wampa like eating some meat. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's not in the theatrical cut. That was added later. Hmm. Uh, they filmed it originally. But they, it had been cut. Another th- scene that was cut was that uh, Luke with a entire face graft, like 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 an artificial skin over his face, like very clearly like not his face, like a like a white cloth with huh. eye holes and stuff cut to show that his face was being like medically reconstructed. reconstructed. Uh, but that was all cut. So you just see the scene of him in the back to tank, and uh, you know just kind of like coming out of it. And then what's the tank called? Bacta. Bacta. Bacta is is like a universal Star Wars cure-all. It's just like uh, We're bringing you back to life. Yeah, it's akin to the uh, stim pack of the Fallout universe. Sure. See, I thought it was like the uh, the Austin Powers goo. Yeah, warm liquid <laughs> sure. goo phase. Warm liquid goo phase beginning. Back at the base, everyone's checking in for the night. Uh, it gets unsafely cold outdoors on this planet. Chewie's working on the Millennium Falcon, and Han promises him that he'll help in a minute, but he's not helping right now, and Chewie's angry about it. Uh, Han tells the general that he plans to leave in the Millennium Falcon, but Leia basically follows him out of the room and is like, hey, we need your help here. And he's like, we need. Yes. Well, what about you need? I need. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to deny that she specifically wants him to stick around, but uh, he keeps calling her out on it. Yeah, he he mentions the bounty hunter on Ord Mantell, uh, who is hammering the home that that Han is a wanted man. Yes, uh, Jabba the Hutt is actively searching for him uh, for twice now, backing out of a deal. <laughs> yeah, and he's uh, just going to bring problems if he stays here. After Han walks away from her this time. He is stopped by C-3PO in the hangar and says, Oh, where, where have you been? Leia's trying to reach you. And he's like, yeah, I turned off my communicator. I don't have anything to say to her. And he's like, well, Luke is missing. We don't know where Luke is. And he's like, what are you talking about Luke's missing? And he's like, needs to check with a human for confirmation because he just hates C-3PO. Yeah. He's like, hey, what's going on? Is Luke, is Luke missing? Where's Luke at? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe he came in the back door. And he's like, why don't you find out if he came in the back door? Let's, let's figure out what happened here. Um, because if he's outside when this door closes, then he doesn't have a very good chance of surviving the night. We cut to Luke waking up, hanging upside down in the in the Wampa cave. His feet are f- literally frozen to the ceiling. I don't know how you do that. Would you just like spit on his feet and stick him up there? Or? Sure. <laughs> it's or, pee. <laughs> <laughs> he just pees straight up. Um, Wampas pee out of their head. No, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably true. But his lightsaber was conveniently left like, about three feet away from his hand, so wow. he's able to force. Oh, I'm grab assuming it. it fell out of his pocket. Yeah, I was gonna say convenient would have <laughs> been still on his He just keeps it in his, his pocket. <laughs> is that a rock? Is that a lightsaber in your pocket? <laughs> but yeah, he he force grabs it. It floats up out of the snow, and and uh, he cuts his legs down, and uh, <laughs> like, he just slices it off at the calf. <laughs> it's so crazy. I was like, oh god, he's so he's so willy nilly with his lightsaber. I. I I feel like this would have taken at least two swings for me to come a down. little he precision cutting here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and I I feel bad for the animators because when he he cuts himself down, the wampa comes out and he hacks off his arm. But then when he's running out of the cave, he's just like 
frantically flailing his arms, and you see the lightsaber like swinging all over the place. And I'm sure like the animator's like, just don't have it cut him in half. Yeah. (laughs) Just make sure it's always pointed away, even if he's not pointing it away. (laughs) Yeah, he chops himself down. He cuts off Albino Sully's arm. He... You know there was an actual abominable snowman in that movie. You can't call <laughs> yeah. him Albino Sully. <laughs> sure I can. I can call anybody Albino Sully. <laughs> it's my prerogative. <laughs> well, I mean, I get it because he's got the horns. and Yeah. Luke collapses in the snow outside of the cave because he's just on foot now. And Han left the base before they closed the doors. So uh, luckily Han finds him here. And Obi-Wan has told him to go to the Dagobah system to find Yoda, the Jedi Master. Right. But he's just hallucinating that. That's not... That's <laughs> not really happening. It's not a real thing. But Han finds him on the Tauntaun. Uh, the rebels decide that they have to close the doors to protect everybody inside. And then C-3PO is trying to, like, comfort R2 and Leia. And he's like... Don't worry about Master Luke. I'm sure he'll be all right. He's quite clever, you know, for a human being. Which yeah. is weird that they're... They call them human beings. I guess they are human beings. Yeah, th- th- that's one thing about the Star Wars universe that's always kind of bothered me is that that they are referred to as humans. But it, this is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So I guess we could assume we haven't that... gotten to the chapter where they seeded Earth yet. Yeah, exactly. The vision of Ben happens right as Han is finding him, right? Yeah, just just seconds before because it, he it, it fades out as Han rides into the scene. Yeah. But Han basically drops down next to Luke and slices open his tauntaun Mm -hmm. and then squishes Luke inside so that he can get to work building a shelter. Squishes. (laughs) And it's a very frequently, obviously, parodied scene. Yes. But uh, I do like that Han wields the lightsaber for a moment. Like, he picks it up and he flips it on and and uses it. Um, I'm sure this is probably his first time using it but he's aware that he could use it as a tool it's not it's not like a restricted to a jedi right only being used it's just well, it's funny that there are all these weapons and he just only ever uses his blaster for the most part mm-hmm. like there's even the joke in force awakens where he like uses the bowcaster once he's like oh wow this thing's really great yeah like why have i not touched this in 45 years he gets to work building a shelter and then in the morning rogue two one of the pilots from the hoth base finds luke and han he's calling down to them on the radio yeah because at this point rogue squadron is established and luke is the commander of rogue squadron right so that's why they're going by the call sign road right (laughs) sorry and then luke gets a diaper and he gets in the back to tube (laughs) han blames leia for his being trapped at the base because now he can't leave yeah they they want to wait until they have the the shield generator fully operational before they risk having ships flying around yeah uh, she calls him a scruffy nerf herder, and then to show that she's not interested in Han, she goes and makes out with Luke. Yeah, because Han doesn't understand women like Luke does. Okay, so I have a question here for Star Wars universe expert okay. here at the table. Okay, so at what point do we? Spoiler alert coming. What point do we find out that they're? It's at the end of this movie that we find out that they're brother and sister. Well, it's at the end of this movie you hint that there's a stronger connection between Luke and Leia, but it's not revealed that they are brother and sister until, until the third. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, so it's in the third one. Okay, because in the making of a documentary that I watched, 
they're kind of like talking about this love triangle thing. It seems like the actors don't know. So I yes. guess so it feels like this wasn't revealed until the third script. Yeah. I think uh, it wasn't decided until the third script. Well, that's script. what I was going to say. I feel like it was an add-on. Like that they that he that this wasn't like figured out all at the beginning. Like they like he figured it out as he was going. Yeah. I I I think a lot of this is that. Okay. <laughs> uh cuz you know George Lucas may have had all these like visions of things and whatnot. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he he had the Clone Wars and he had an under, an idea of what the Clone Wars were in '77 because he they mentioned the Clone Wars. Yeah. And and I'm sure that he knew where he wanted the stories to go, but he didn't write them. He he had the stories, but then for this movie especially, you know, Lee Brackett and and Lawrence Kasdan wrote what is to come and and set the groundwork for what is to come yeah but uh i'm sure lucas had some ideas i don't think that uh luke and leia was ever a thing to in my opinion maybe it was i'm sure lucas would say that it was vader i feel is probably likely that it was in place only because vader means father yes uh and so i'm pretty sure that was probably a thing to be foreshadowed but yeah, Luke and Leia, I completely agree with you. Okay. I feel like it's... They hadn't decided that these two were siblings yet, but they had already, I think, ruled out that they would end up together because they're clearly setting up their relationship with Han. Yeah, yeah. I fi- I figured that the Han thing was was the desired outcome of this thing, but it just seemed like their reaction in the behind the scenes made it feel like they had no idea that was coming. There would be way more you factor when they were talking about that scene and i don't think i would have called it a love triangle Mm -hmm. but also on set like even with regard to the the darth vader surprise like people didn't know that on set like isn't the whole trivia bit that they're not even saying that line on set like they were they did that scene multiple ways so that people wouldn't know the i'm your father yeah yeah it was like obi-wan was your father uh, yeah so Obi Wan killed your father. So like, there were secrets being kept from the crew, even. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, all of Darth Vader's lines were ADR. So yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It didn't if he have was to just be like, done on set. I want tacos. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's impossible. Um, Han goes outside and. Uh, kills the droid that's moving around this is the probe droid Mm -hmm. and leia is able to figure out okay well that's an imperial probe and uh, they found us yeah so it's time to get the hell out of dodge so they start filling these uh massive transportation ships yeah meanwhile this information has been communicated to darth vader right well it's been communicated to the fleet and we get the first look at I love that you see like all these star destroyers flying around, and then they start to be overshadowed yeah. by the super star destroyer, the Executor. Is that what it's called, the super star destroyer? Well, it, the the ship's name is the Executor. Yeah, um, but, but the, the they they refer to ship. it as a super star destroyer. Yeah. Well, at least that's what Admiral Akbar will call it in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> Insert the clip of concentrate your fire on that super star destroyer. Uh, but I'm not going to cut on that line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You said it perfectly. Yeah, anyway. I'll just pretend was, that's from the movie. Uh, but you get the idea that, oh, okay, this there are more than just Star Destroyers. That are, they, they still are a very formidable enemy. The Admiral 
is being informed that a probe found something and the Admiral is just very quick to dismiss it and until Vader kind of looms over his shoulder and says, nope, that's that's them. That's 100% them. Yeah. You know, that the Admiral isn't very happy that uh, he's been overruled yeah. by his, you know, because we have seen in at this point in Star Wars that Vader, Vader just works for the government. He, he is... He works for the emperor. He's the emperor's right hand man. But the, even the military officers question they, him. They don't respect him, even yeah. though he strangles them on a, <laughs> yeah, on a, a regular whim. basis. Um, you know, they don't they don't like that they are the military branch, and he is the executive branch, and that they are being told what to do by him. Right. But uh, so they head out to the Hoth system, um, and they come out of light speed right on top of the planet so the rebels are like oh they're you they're here Fli- yep, flip time on to the go shield. <laughs> they're here sir <laughs> it's just the rebels sir they're here uh and vader is informed that they've arrived and that there's an energy shield and he goes the admiral came out of hyperspace too close <laughs> they knew yeah. they knew that we were here yeah we've lost the element of surprise and now they could get away and you yeah. screwed this all up yeah so he he contacts the admiral and and video skype strangles him <laughs> <laughs> which was like that, to me this is when they start adding like force powers yeah he can do it through video yeah, he can do it through video he doesn't need to actually be there as long as he can see them uh he has a, a form to concentrate on yeah um but yeah he's, and, and he promotes the the next guy to admiral and and i like the glance that the the next guy gives to like the other staff in the bridge he's like can you come move this body real quick oh we gotta <laughs> we gotta get going but uh, they they basically prepare a ground assault on Hoth. Leah stands in the middle of a group of pilots and talks them all up for battle and wishes them luck. Yeah. Sorry. It's also important to note that these energy shields are only energy reflective. Okay. You can, you can physically pass through them. So you know the the force field is protecting them from a ground assault uh, from a orbital assault from lasers uh, from and, lasers and yeah. stuff because these star destroyers could just bombard the ground but with the energy shield up they can't do that so they land the ground troops to walk through the shield so that they can then attack it from and they don't have the the technology for bombs apparently (laughs) because this is a long time ago we didn't have bombs yet well um the reason that they don't use aircraft is that the same reason that the rebels describe uh, that they've had, they had, they they took them a long time to get aircraft working to adapt to the cold. Oh, okay. So the Empire doesn't bring in any aerial units uh, because so they, it's like the first Iron Man movie, like they haven't solved the freezing problem. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. so they're forced to do all this by ground troops. They set up ion cannons that are able to basically completely paralyze a star destroyer. Yeah. So that the transport ship and a couple of pilots can scoot by it without mm-hmm. getting fired on. We see a few AT-ATs marching toward the base. And thank you for referring to them as AT-ATs. That's what they are, right? Or walkers, imperial walkers? Everyone calls them ADATs. Oh, okay. Do they? I hate that. I hate it even more when they use the symbol for at twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the most degrading. And it's the inconsistency, I think, that makes me mad. Because there's the ATAT and then there's ATSTs and ATPTs, and they'll say the letters when they're referring to those. Right. But only for the ATAT will they say at at. But don't they all walk? Yeah. So you can just call them all Imperial walkers if That's you true. wanted to. But the pilots are all firing on them pretty uselessly. It seems like they, the the shields on the on the at ats. No, <laughs> 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 the shields on the ATATs are 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 not 
not uh, letting anything get through. That's when Luke suggests using the tow cable to wrap around the legs of the of the ATAT, but his co-pilot is killed before he can use his. And so Wedge and Jansen are able to wrap the ATAT's legs with their tow cable. Yeah. Um, R2 starts to get into Luke's ship because he knows they're going to have to leave the planet yeah. soon. It's also like these walkers aren't just like a guy in the cockpit. They're full of troops. Yes. Uh, so that's the reason once they, they tow cable the one that they blow it up because it the, the ground troops inside are still inside. Yes. <laughs> so they have that's to like, blow it up. Yeah. It's the boats on, on D-Day. Yeah. They're, they're full of people. It's not just a robot that was walking up. But why is it, why is it blow upable when it's down and not when it's walking? Because Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Everything has a weak point and you can only hit it when the thing's not walking. I don't know. Luke crashes under the ATATs and barely escapes before his plane and dead co-pilot are crushed. Han makes sure that Leia evacuates. He's trying to rush her through the tunnels and there's like a cave-in basically. And so he says, okay, we're going to take the, the Falcon. I'm going to say Falcon now. Now that yeah. I've paid closer attention to this movie and I know that it's not the Millennium Falcon. Like I've been saying like an idiot all these years. Wait, what? <laughs> Falcon. Falcon. Falcon? Like, of, like the children of autumn. The fall kin. <laughs> the AT-ATs destroy all the generators, yeah. which takes all the shields down, which means that now these Star Destroyers can just start pounding the ground, right? Right, but they don't. Right. <laughs> because Vader Vader has also come down, so they don't want to start bombarding at this point. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it does mean that they can just get there, I guess, a little bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I wanted to mention, because you, you, you are going to put the trailer up, Yes. And we watched the trailer a little while ago, and there's a scene that... With Chewie pulling the sign off the door? Well, with 3PO. He, he, oh, pull, with 3PO. he pulls a sticker off of a door, and they show that in the trailer. Now, that, that scene is cut from the movie, because uh, what is happening here is that they have a whole bunch of Wampas secured in, in, a, in a cell. Yeah. And he's removing the warning sticker that says, don't go in this room. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so the scene that's cut is, is him removing the sticker and then later some stormtroopers coming by and opening the door and this claw just grabs one and pulls him in and then they <laughs> hit the close button. <laughs> that's hilarious. Why, yeah, why did they, they take that, that out? I guess because it's a little too silly. But there's equally silly stuff like in The Mandalorian. That, that, well, yeah, I think and, that the universe has it. gone there yeah. for sure in the, in the ensuing years. I just, that, that would have that been hilarious. But also it shows... 3PO like actively like setting a trap and yeah. being clever helping at all yeah and and that's one thing that Lucas was always against Lucas always wants C3PO to not do anything except whine complain and be scared yeah so i think that that's probably why it was cut that makes sense hmm. Well, you could just give someone else the job, like have Chewie do yeah, it. Yeah, like it would have been like better Like I accidentally done. thought yeah. happened. <laughs> that seems like something he would do anyway. The Millennium Falcon uh, engine stalls multiple times before they're able to successfully yeah. launch. <laughs> it's my favorite scene when he comes in and the power goes out and he just gives it a whack. Yeah, and it comes all back the lights up. come back on. Um, and uh, it's so great because some of these details come back for, again, I'm referencing the Mandalorian. When the stormtroopers are setting up an e-web turret, and they so they set up the turret, and you see them bringing over like the power block and everything like that. And uh, you know, spoiler alert, you've seen Mandalorian. Um, they do that same thing, the whole same setup where they they bring in the gun, they set up the base, and they bring in the power source, 
to hook it all up. And that's all directly from the original Star Wars movies. Yeah. I love those kinds of details. Yeah, it's nice that they, they do the consistency of the universe. Down to, like, the weapon that he's using is from, like, the Christmas special. Right, but but also, like, you could just have them set up a gun turret, but they go through the extra step of putting the stand down, setting up the turret, connecting it to, like, a power source. Like, it was there was these little details that made it more believable other than just having a big gun set up for them yeah. to shoot. Like, yeah. there, there was a process to it. Um, Han basically maneuvers around the Star Destroyers and smaller Imperial ships. Yeah, <laughs> which is another great part. Sorry, I, I keep on... No, it's good. I love this movie so much. Uh, <laughs> because they're being pursued by a Star Destroyer and there's two more coming right at them. Yeah. And for some reason, yeah. the Star Destroyer captains do not notice each other. Yeah. And they just... They, they crash like you, you don't you don't see like any explosions or anything but you see they're the scraping force. each other yeah, yeah they're scraping each other you see everyone's thrown to their ground and on the bridge uh it's like why did you not see the two other star destroyers heading right for you yeah it's not like you're two henchmen that like cross paths in a hallway chasing somebody yeah they're facing each other too it's not like they're blind to each other they're yeah. pointed at each other but yeah han uh, evades capture here he wants to hyperspace out but it's not working and so he goes into the bowels of the, the Falcon to try to repair it. And while he's down there, you know, you're, you're hearing all these laser blasts. Yeah. But then something harder hits them. And he comes up and goes, well, that wasn't a laser blast. Something hit us. Yeah. And that's when he comes up and realizes that there's they're in an asteroid field. And he, that's when he... Hides in the yeah, he, hole. He flies in the asteroid field, um, uh, barely surviving. The, the, luckily that the TIE fighters were just happenstance hit by the other debris. There wasn't wasn't their fault. Like they they were just flying and stuff came at them from other directions that they the Falcon could have equally have been destroyed by. Yeah. And they hide out in a cave. A cave. In quote quotes air quotes. <laughs> a graboid cave. Uh Luke crashes on Dagobah. That's the next note I have. Yeah, I, I don't and this always bothers me too. It's like you were headed to this planet on purpose. Yeah. You didn't have to crash land. The One of the things that happens is the inconsistency of the flight styles of these ships. X-Wings don't land like airplanes. They don't have to like have a runway where they glide glide to a stop. They can stop completely in midair and land vertically. They have that ability. But for some reason, Luke just full-on smashes it into the bog and i get the impression that part of it is because of the atmosphere is like so foggy that he can't see where he's going but isn't that the whole point of having like a droid on the outside of your ship is that it's able to see yeah where you're going but um they they crash r2 falls in the swamp but he survives don't worry guys r2 is in more than just two of these um luke shouts r2 which just reminded me of atreyu going Atreyu. We cut back to the the super star destroyer where an admiral is telling Darth that they've spotted the Falcon, the Falcon. Sorry, god damn it! <laughs> I don't understand why we're saying it like this. Because that's what everyone yeah, that's says. How in this, ever, that's how in they this whole movie they keep saying the Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. But it's spelled the same way that we spell Falcon. Well. But everyone it's says Britain. Falcon. It, 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 it's, I think it's it's the British pronunciation. Oh, okay. And uh, they tricked Han into saying it that way, even yeah. though he's not British. Uh, the Admiral is informing Darth Vader that they've lost the Millennium Falcon in this asteroid field. <laughs> and I love the line reading. Asteroids do not concern me, Admiral. I want that ship. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's so, like, like, he's like, he doesn't really, like, 
I don't care about it. Like, asteroids don't concern me. He's like, asteroids do not concern me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) So that's it. In the swamp of Dagobah, Luke meets a small Muppet character. And he tells this Muppet that he is looking for Yoda. And Yoda offers to take him to Yoda. (laughs) This Frank Oz is is a master of his craft and all the stuff that yoda does is so wonderful when he's holding the light and r2 is trying to take it and he's trying to get his cane with his other hand and he has to reach over his own hand and grab the cane and bring it back like just doing all of that like doing all of that like blind is is super amazing we we go back to the the falcon where han basically corners leia where she's working on the ship in some like closet of yeah. the, of the ship and uh he is pushing himself on her basically and ends up kissing her in this corner yeah and then c3po interrupts to tell them what's going on and uh saves her life um, <laughs> no i don't think uh, but c3po interrupts and han is like pretty upset about it obviously but uh darth receives word that uh the emperor wishes to communicate mm-hmm. and so uh he tells palpy that uh, Luke would be a sweet addition to their team. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, this is where the dialogue will be different yeah. for us. So I know in the special edition they, they altered the dialogue. They got Ian McDormand to come back. And do the voice. And do the voice and the image. And they they tried to retcon some of the conversation regarding Luke's origin and who he is and whatnot. In the theatrical cut, it's not Ian McDormand. Um, and it's doing the voice or, right? or at all like he's not in it at all there you see a different there's a different actor playing palpatine in this scene oh okay they just talk about the son of skywalker must never is it clive revel that's playing palpatine um i think so i think we talked about that before but in the first movie it's not even clive revel right we, we never see the emperor in the first movie i thought in one of them it was like rick baker's wife in a lot of makeup or something like that I think Clive Revel may have only done the voice. Okay. So perhaps it is Rick Baker's wife. I think wife it's Rick Baker's makeup. wife in makeup and then Clive Revel doing the voice, but mm-hmm. don't don't tweet me if I'm wrong. <laughs> don't at me, bro. Don't at at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I like the word imps in regard to uh, Imperial, Imperial ships yeah. from the Mandalorian, so I'm going to say, is that is that in anything else or is that no just that's just this one okay i like that so imps start firing on uh the asteroid that the falcon is hiding in there's another great scene of the emperor's teleconferencing with a bunch of other captains and just before that you see an asteroid hit the bridge of one of the star destroyers and while the captain is teleconferencing you just see him freaking out and fade out <laughs> <laughs> that guy's dead oh yeah and we first we have this shot of uh yoda annoying luke some more they're like sitting down to have dinner mm-hmm. and he's like oh yoda lives pretty nearby we'll go meet up with him later and he's like look i don't have time for any of this like yeah. can you just take me to him now and then yoda stands up and just starts talking to ben and he's like oh this this kid's super impatient or, impatient this kid is you gotta get him out of here he's not ready and luke isn't doesn't get it yet <laughs> that this is yoda but he understands that uh, he's talking to Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan is telling Yoda like, Hey, you, you remember I was pretty impatient too. Like you got to give him a, a second to figure things out. But then we move to the, the imps firing on the asteroid. They keep hearing sounds inside the, the Falcon and they decide that they're going to go outside 
of the ship yeah, inside this tunnel. Which is weird. Yeah, because it should be the empty vacuum of space. <laughs> and they're just wearing like a face mask. Mm-hmm. But they go outside and they find these Minox that are uh, attached all over the outside of the ship. But the floor is really weird. It's like yeah. sludge and it's uh, soft and muscly. Mm-hmm. And every time he starts to fire at one of the Minox, if he hits the ground or the walls of this cave... He notices that the whole thing shakes a lot, mm-hmm. and then he realizes that this is not a cave. Yeah, that they are in a graboid's stomach, and so they—is there a name for this creature? Oh, there is. I can't of think of what is. it Why is right now. That? There's only one creature that's not named, and it's yeah. causing a lot of problems right now. <laughs> baby Yoda, baby, baby Yoda. The Exogorth. The Exogorth, right? Of course. Is that any relation to the Exo Squad? <laughs> no, I was going to. What's the alien one? Xenomorph? Xenomorph. Exogorth and the Xenomorph. Yeah, but they're spelled and pronounced differently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they all pile back into the ship and decide they're going to fly out of this cave before it collapses with two teeth slicing down toward each other. Um, They barely squeeze out between a couple of teeth and uh, fly off into the sunset. There's no sun and it's not setting. Even though even though there is a light source. Yes. That, that's one thing that's very inconsistent about Star Wars. Is you don't have to be near a star. Yeah. There, there is always a direct light source, which causes shadows. Um, but you never see a star. Uh, what are these wars happening around if there's no stars? <laughs> well, you can see stars when you're yeah, on planets, yeah. but you can't see them in space. Because there's two of them by Tatooine. Yeah. And, and yeah, we can see the suns from the planet, but when you're in space, those suns are gone. Yes. Darth tells Boba to get the Falcon. I uh, love Boba. He's, yeah. he's, he's talking to like a whole squadron of bounty hunters. Yeah. Oh, I meant the drink. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little balls. Actually, I was really disappointed with him. Like, I thought like this... Okay, granted, I'm not a Star Wars person, so I'm sure there's all this stuff that happens outside of this movie, but like... He's also in the third movie. I guess. For, but, for a half bit, yeah. yeah. For a little bit. I actually watched a little bit of it last night. He's not in it for much. Yeah. I thought this was going to be like this grand character, and he just doesn't do much. Well, I think uh, part of it is just the fact that you, you never see his face, and he only, I think, has one line in Empire. It's a um, couple, but... Yeah. It, it's it, it's also the 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 fan fiction and the when I say fan fiction I mean like novelized fan fiction of of Boba Fett that goes on and that so people get really excited about his character but it's all been like tossed aside as far as like this isn't real it's just for fun okay so I think that the lore of the Mandalorian in the Boba Fett as the Boba Fett and but but also the prequels built him up a little bit well, more I was going to say well. there's there's I haven't seen the prequels I think since they came out so it there, I thought there was more that had to do with the clone wars and him and all that fun stuff but uh he was just a disappointing character in this movie yeah. he doesn't do much mm. that is true he does not do much in this movie well, I we think get... people were mostly excited because the toy was fun to play with yeah and it reportedly killed a child <laughs> it's which is weird. more than you could say for any of the other Star Wars toys <laughs> You're not allowed to laugh at dying children, Richard. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, we get a whole cast of bounty hunters here. We got Bosk. We got IG-88. We got Forlom. Is it IG-88? Mm-hmm. 
Like, does that mean it's the same guy from Mandalorian or that it's the same model? It's the same model. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bounty hunting droid. So are there other R2-D2s? Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're astrometric droids. Okay. See, I thought they all had, like, different number letter combinations if and, they were. Yeah, and C-3PO is just a protocol droid, which we see at least one other one in this movie. Even though Anakin built it himself. Yeah, but he just built it to company specs. So he just fixed <laughs> it. He didn't build it. Uh. Maybe he started a trend. We don't know. Maybe uh, he ran that company in. We <laughs> just never saw those. Darth Vader's protocol droids. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Go and get your protocol droids. Yeah. Um, but all of this ends up being moot because the moment like they start talking about, um, and, uh, and of course he goes to, to Boba Fett and says no disintegrations, which is great. Again, in The Mandalorian, when he's disintegrating Jawas left and right. Yeah. Um, the moment like all this is done, like they go, oh, yeah, by the way, we found the Millennium Falcon. It's, it's flying out of the asteroid belt right now. Yeah. Back on uh, Dagobah, Yoda is uh, trying to teach Luke how to handle the Force. He's teaching him how to lift the ship that he crashed into the swamp out of the water. And he says, do or do not, there is no try, which Mm -hmm. is incorrect. Trying is the difference between not attempting and failing. (laughs) But uh, he's unable to to actually lift the ship out of the swamp, which means that he tried. Mm -hmm. So there is a try. And then when Luke's like, it's impossible, bye, and starts to walk away, then Yoda's like, fine, I'll do it for you because I'm a bad teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I give up. Then the Falcon, basically, after it gets away from the asteroid, and since it's been identified and it's being hunted by the Star Destroyers, it hides actively on the back of one of the Star Destroyers. Yeah, this this is always another thing that gives me, like, pause. I was like, like there's there, nothing on this ship to detect that yeah, there's no windows some guys are like in the bathroom and goes huh looks like there's a ship attached to yeah. it. <laughs> i can usually see straight out into space from here somebody says where are we I, I think we're in the millennium falcon they're trying to figure out where the star destroyers are going yeah and leia says where are we and he says i know it's sister which i was hoping she would say oh i don't know at system <laughs> Han decides to meet up with Lando Calrissian because he's close by and they're friends. Yoda coaches Luke into a hallucinogenic tree. <laughs> <laughs> and he says that's a place that's strong with the dark side and you have to go there. And so Luke goes in there and finds that there's a structure. Uh, so this is a, a bit of a Sith kind of like location. There's a structure there. And it's a confusing metaphorical fight where he fights Vader, but it just him fighting him with himself yeah because the mask comes off and it's just his own face which is a hint yeah the twist um but it's also important to reveal the shape of the structure which is this very angular archway which is the same structure angular archway in which luke and vader will have their final confrontation before just before he gets his hand cut off yeah you want to talk about why this scene always confused you oh <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think I realized until this viewing that it was his head. Because I'm like, who's the pretty lady's head that gets cut off in this scene? <laughs> the the twist just, is Darth Vader's a woman. It just doesn't look like him. <laughs> yeah, and then that's when Darth tells Boba to get Falcon. Luke uses the Force to see that his friends need his help because they're being pursued by all the Star Destroyers. More specifically, he senses that they are in pain. Because he's yes. seeing the future, which we'll get into that once that once the future happens, we'll get into that. Yeah, 
he's tempted here to leave immediately and help Mm -hmm. them but yoda says screw your friends you need to practice you suck right now which will play into something else that yoda will say later i'll get into that too yeah han and the crew uh make it to cloud city with the with the falcon and meet with lando and we get like a a half-assed like i'm gonna punch you just kidding we're friends moment yeah that's basically everything that happens here on this bridge we go right back to dagobah right yeah uh and uh luke is even getting more and more distracted yeah and he finally decides to leave and yoda and obi-wan now are trying to convince him yeah they're like you're 99 percent. you're so close just yeah. wait a second well and because they are willing uh, and, and luke says and sacrifice han and leia and yoda says if you honor what they fight for yes let them die because and i this is my firm standpoint for all these movies obi-wan kenobi and yoda are both dicks yeah <laughs> They are using Luke to clean up their freaking mess because they can't do it themselves. Yeah. And And they wanted to let these other people die. Yeah. They're willing to sacrifice all of his friends, everything, to train him, to get him to be powerful enough to defeat Vader. Uh, And he's not playing ball. And so they start trying to manipulate him. And the worst is in Return of the Jedi when Luke says, I can't kill my father. And Obi-Wan goes, well, then the Emperor has already won. <laughs> it's like, dude, just give him a moment to process. Yeah. Uh, I, I I love the characters of Obi-Wan and Yoda, but I feel like I've always felt like what they're doing to manipulate Luke in this situation is not very cool. It's very guilt-trippy parent thing to do. Yeah. But Luke goes anyway. Um, and we get the famous line, the cryptic line of Obi-Wan saying, that boy's our last hope. And Yoda says, no there was another yeah and yeah. now we can always wonder with the prequels and the sequels what that line means it well, had a different meaning then i was gonna say at the time they were obviously talking about leia correct but now you could mean so many different things because yeah. you could mean ray and you mm-hmm. could mean adam driver baby yoda yeah. you know you can baby yoda <laughs> yes that's baby what i meant yoda, there is another i left a baby <laughs> <laughs> With Werner Herzog, I see death and chaos. I would like to see the baby. <laughs> I love that scene. He's like, he's sleeping. I will be very quiet. <laughs> I want to. I want to hope that Werner Herzog just said, "I'm going to do my own lines." <laughs> he made it out of that season, right? No, no, he didn't. Sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't Try. watched Mandalorian, we we watched all of it. I just don't remember him dying. He, he uh, when uh, Giancarlo Esposito comes in, he opens fire on the whole bar and everything oh, okay killed. that he died in that in that uh, hailstorm. and i love gene carlo esposito so much i was like oh my god <laughs> come on gus why you gotta do him like that um c3po overhears that cloud city is a trap and is immediately disassembled yeah he's blown apart um no disassemble chewy somehow like wanders into the room where all of c3po's parts are about to go into a a like a uh, furnace or something yeah. Yeah. a bunch of ugnots are are getting ready to, to throw him in there and he's like wait i know these parts <laughs> and uh he starts like rebuilding him half-assedly but uh, the trap springs and uh everybody is like locked up and put away in rooms and han is taken away to be tortured yeah so this is important this is when 
Luke was saying that he feels that they're in pain in the future. Yeah. And Han is being tortured and, and says they didn't even ask me any questions. Yeah, because um, they were just torturing him to set off Luke's spidey sense. Yeah, they, they were just hurting them to hurt them so that Luke would sense it. Darth Vader and Boba Fett are here at Cloud City, and Darth says that Leia and Chewie should be imprisoned there, but that Han is a gift for Boba Fett, that he's going to take him down to Jabba and get a bunch of money for him. Right, because Boba Fett is doubling down. He is getting paid from the Empire to have found them, but then going to get paid additionally for Jabba to bring Han. He's got to finance that vet. Yeah. They detect that Luke is approaching, and uh, they decide that they're going to do a test of their carbonite freezer uh, to make sure that that works. I don't know why they wouldn't know already that it works, but well, because I guess they, they have solo they here. Yeah, they don't test it on people. Yeah, right. Apparently, it's not designed for people. I'm not sure what we're normally putting in carbonite. Yeah, it's, it seems from from Mandalorian like you can just push anybody into it. Yeah, and also it, it it's such a small narrow tube. Like, what else? Yeah. Other than people, are you freezing that can fit in there? Yeah, but uh, they decide they're going to test it on Solo, and. Uh, Later, they're going to use it on Luke and then deliver him frozen in carbonite to the Emperor. Um, and then the Emperor's going to be like, you could have just brought him here. Like, <laughs> yeah. We're trying to convince him to join our team. He didn't have to do this. Is he upset about the carbon footprint? That's it. <laughs> oh. <sighs> As Solo's getting loaded into the freezer, uh, we get the, the famous line from Leia. I love you. And Han responds with, I know which they came up with on set. And Carrie Fisher was strung out on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Lando turns on the troopers. Yeah, he, he contacts Lobot to come and uh, intercept them. <laughs> Lobot. <laughs> yeah. Because that guy with the, the bald guy with the thing around his head is an android. Yes. The guy that looks like a DJ. Oh, yeah. And uh, Luke gets in the fight with Darth Vader. But he Darth Vader basically orchestrates it. He's like, yeah. lead him here. Like, mm-hmm. do everything in your power to get Luke to fight here. And I'll push him in there. Yeah, they have a big lightsaber fight here. Darth is encouraging Luke to embrace the hatred that he has for this man who he thinks killed his father. Mm-hmm. And uh, he thinks it'll give him power, but it's also, he's subtly pushing him to the dark side. Boba Fett loads Han, frozen in carbonite, into his ship and leaves. Everyone else escapes on the Falcon, but Darth and Luke continue fighting all throughout the ship. Yeah, yeah, like Darth gets pushed off a... a- thing and then but apparently crawls through a tunnel really quick because when luke goes down to find him he's gone and there's just a big tunnel well we we establish in uh, the phantom menace that jedi have super speed (laughs) when it matters they can run out really fast when they can't get them out of a situation (laughs) blink (laughs) the the next part of the fight continues like in this like alcove where vader is kind of like just sick of the fight so he just starts throwing stuff at luke (laughs) it's like dude just just submit to this but then luke gets sucked out a window and he lands on this gantry, and when he goes back into the rooms of the gantry, that's when we get the recreation of the uh, data shape. Cave. Yeah. So it's, it's this very angular with a flat top triangle kind of issue, and and this is it. This is the fight that we envisioned from that cave. And then they, again, just like in the cave, they come out of the structure and fight just outside of it on this long bridge yeah. over like a huge pit. And, that goes down hundreds of stories. Yeah. And then Lucas is, just gets his hand cut off. Yeah. And you have to imagine lightsaber. somewhere there was a Wampa just laughing at him like, ha dick. <laughs> and, and the lightsaber goes tumbling away. 
So I have a question about Star Wars. <laughs> oh, that's fitting. <laughs> that's out yeah. of nowhere. So um, later uh, in the movies that I watched recently, Ray gets gifted a lightsaber. Yes, that's is it this, this one? one? Yeah. It's this one. Okay. Who went to the bottom of Cloud City's giant tunnel thing thing and found this lightsaber? (laughs) We don't know because Maz Kanata says that's a story for another day. (laughs) AKA Disney Plus will cover it at some point. Because they have to spell out every corner of this universe eventually. But uh, I I remember when when, uh, people were predicting that like the first line of The Last Jedi when she's like trying to hand off the lightsaber to Luke is he would be like, you know, there was a hand with this. Did you guys find, <laughs> did you guys find the hand? <laughs> I think maybe even Mark Hamill made that joke. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like something he would say. But yeah, they continue fighting. He slices off Luke's hand and then uh, he offers to complete Luke's training in the dark side that he'll be much more powerful than he is now and more powerful than Yoda or Obi-Wan could ever help him be. And, and that he's going to kill the Emperor. Right, like, the two of them are going to kill him and rule the universe as father and son. Yeah, because uh, the emperor, he even says the emperor has already seen that you're, that you're, he's going to die. Yeah, that's why we're here to get you is because we we need you on our team or you're going to kill us. Mm-hmm. But he is not interested in the training and refuses, and then he says. Darth says, oh, Obi-Wan didn't tell you everything about your father. He told uh, me enough. He told yeah. me you killed him. And then Darth says, nope. Dad's me. I'm your daddy. <laughs> uh, he says it exactly like that. I'm yeah. actually <laughs> impressed with my own uh, uh, impression. Yeah, the, 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 again, the famous, this is a true surprise. That's impossible. Um, if, you, if you ever see the behind the scenes footage of this it's great because there's just a pile of mattresses yeah. beneath Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah the wider shot in case yeah. he did fall there's just mattresses piled up you know he's he's a really ugly crier here mm-hmm. i noticed yeah. that it's just just really unattractive faces making yeah and then he falls and then I, the shot the reaction shot of darth is just like a oh geez <laughs> Whoops. i guess there is another way <laughs> like it's it's it made me laugh because it's almost just like a uh uh, uh what what <laughs> As yeah, uh, as he's just tumbling down. Um, I I am still of the mind that Luke was committing suicide here. Oh, for sure. Oh, I like, agree with that. Yeah, that he wasn't planning on surviving this. That well, he's like, I'm out. There is a weirdly convenient tunnel that he also. I mean, you're falling. I think a, he forced himself into it. He, <laughs> like double force, force. Yeah, like he used the force to float into this tunnel. I guess because I feel like even if you're just falling through this giant shaft you're if you if you hit a tunnel like that that'll still kill you yeah but he hits it at just the right angle that he slides into it and uh the tube basically leads to the bottom of this cloud city structure and he falls out of the end of it onto an antenna that's hanging under the ship yeah who puts an antenna under a trash chute i assume this is a trash that's what i assume as well (laughs) and i also question the antenna placement (laughs) just like I, i can't get any of my favorite radio stations what happened? Well, I just threw away about 12 towels. <laughs> All this aluminum foil. <laughs> no, wouldn't that make it better? Well, I don't know. Fair day, cage it. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to throw away more foil. I want to get a better signal. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's very bad at hanging onto this antenna. Even for a guy with one arm, Like I feel yeah. like it seems very clear. There's a 
there's a horizontal part that you put your legs over mm. there's a vertical part that you wrap your arms around like you still have your arms you're just missing one hand yeah but i think they do a good job of the makeup and the stress because like he's obviously in a lot of pain because he's yeah. just pale and sweaty yeah like like he's just barely staying conscious but uh yeah like he he he, he tries to reach up to the shoot but the shoot closes and he starts calling out to ben uh obi-wan which he still calls ben which i think is weird uh Still using him. his fake name. Yeah, to, to help him, even though Obi-Wan already said, I can't, I, when, if you're doing this, I'm you're doing it on your own. What am I going to do? Um, so he then decides to call out to Leia. Yeah, with his with his force DMs. Uh, and, and she senses him and tells the Falcon to turn around, uh, which is one of my favorite shots where it flips up but goes behind the cloud that's yeah. in front of it and then comes around the that other side. That is cool. They see Luke hanging up. And they just park, and this this part always freaks me out. I don't like this when when Lando goes up the tube, because he's on the, like an elevator, and it's the tube the shaft is only the size of him, and he's going up, and there's a door above his head that opens up as he approaches. Right as he gets to it, I was like, what if it didn't open up? <laughs> what if it he just be squished? I think it's one of those like shopping store like the doors that auto open when somebody's close enough to it i I guess but it's like it's still freaking me out like oh oh god please open okay like if i was like in that (laughs) shaft every time i'd be like i'd be like on the ground like just in case it doesn't open yeah that's gonna help a lot as the (laughs) hydraulics just compress you yeah into a little richard brick it freaked me out here when luke just drops off the antenna again it's like dude he's coming to get you just like hang on a second yeah we don't need to drop off like he did on the you know in the shaft up up at the Mm -hmm. top here buddy but they they also add a little tension here because we don't we don't see him land we just see him let go of the thing and we don't it's not wide enough for us to see lando so we just cut back to like in the in the front of the millennium falcon where they're like getting ready to leave and then lando comes on the radio and he's like all right i got him let's go yeah. it's like what happened i feel like that <laughs> line was alive? added later because yeah. it was a little awkward <laughs> um but uh lando brings him in and uh they evade some imps and yeah. uh luke and darth have a quick uh force chat yeah. flashing back and forth um and they're because they're right up against the the superstar destroyer like flying just in front of it which is like why don't you fly away from it <laughs> I don't understand why you're hanging out so close to it. Yeah. Um, you're in space. You can go in any direction. But um, they can't get the hyperdrive to work still. Uh, Lando was informed that they had fixed it, but uh, Vader had his crew sabotage it. Um, which so they R2 go to knows. fix it again. Yeah. So R2 knows how to fix it and fixes it just in time and the Falcon hyperspace is out and you just see it's just a, it's just another great reaction shot of vader just looking out the window and then he turns around and just walks and everyone's just kind of like don't yeah. look at him don't look at him <laughs> it's also interesting to me because right when r2 fixes it they go into hyperdrive but uh r2 like falls into the pit because he's getting thrown back by yeah. the acceleration so like they don't have inertial dampeners like wouldn't he just smash into the wall at light speed if they yeah. like <laughs> maybe it's just not working as well as it could be but yeah we see luke uh recovering and he's getting a new hand mm-hmm. um, looks a lot like his old hand yeah <laughs> strikingly similar and uh he's testing all the fingers yeah and getting some test stabs yeah <laughs> i did want one of these to just go right through the hand and be like oops <laughs> yeah does that feel like i stabbed through your hand okay good this one's working throw it away 
<laughs> this one's ruined also. Maybe we should give you a hand that doesn't feel pain. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Lando and Chewie uh, leave in the Falcon. Yeah. Uh, did you notice what Lando was wearing? No, I didn't. He's wearing Han's clothes. He's wearing well, what else is on the ship? <laughs> it's just so weird. He can, I'm sure they have other clothes on the, the rebel ships. He doesn't it's have like, to wear Han's clothes. It's like in Thor Ragnarok when Hulk is wearing all of Tony Stark's stuff. Because that's all he had. <laughs> that's all that was on the uh, the Quinjet when he stole it. But yeah, that's basically the end of uh, the second installment of this series. Yeah, they, they talk about meeting at a rendezvous. Um, but it's left on a on a bit of a cliffhanger, even though the next movie doesn't pick up for like three or four years later. Yeah, well, this was already what uh, three years after the first one. Correct. So they they spaced them out more. But but then. it but it feels like not as much time has passed between uh, a New Hope and Empire, but in between Empire and Return of the Jedi, a lot of time has passed. Oh, okay. Because Luke's completed his training. Yeah, like he he is. Wasn't well, he pretty close though? But wait, what do you mean he's completed his training? I think he's just gotten better. Well, but he, he never he didn't go back to Dagobah he, he in does. between. He, in between, he does. He he goes back to Dagobah. He finish. He com, he gets more training. He gets his last three credits. They, but I thought in I thought in Jedi he goes back and he's like, hey, I'm here to finish my training. And he's like, yeah, no, toodles. No, no, he, <laughs> he's he's already gone back, and this was him coming back again. Oh, but yeah, he's already come back. He's already okay. done all the all the Jedi as much Jedi training as Yoda can teach him. Um, there's other adventures that happen in like, if you like consider like the shadows of the empire canon, which Lucas did for a while. I don't know if, well, it's not up to him anymore. Yeah. Uh, what is canon? All the TV shows and the clone wars series, basically. Yeah. yeah the clone Wars series is now canon and Mandalorian and Mandalorian is canon. Yeah. But yeah. So several, much time has passed because now Luke is, is fully like mind tricking people. And, uh, but it's, great that he's more embraced he's because he's more force neutral like uh because he's wearing black like he is yeah he's not like totally fine with the light side or, or the dark side at this point but anyway that's the return of the jedi when we'll get into that this is empire he's a <laughs> he's a centrist now yeah <laughs> but yeah uh the director here was Irvin Kirshner, who directed spies which i haven't seen but it's spelled s-p-y-s with asterisks in between all the letters because <laughs> it's Donald Sutherland and Elliot Gould as the two lead characters. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously playing off of the popularity of MASH. But I would like to see it because I like the two of them and I like their chemistry, so maybe it's funny. Um, he also directed Never Say Never Again, which was the the Connery Thunderball remake mm-hmm. that came out the same year as Octopussy. Um, he also directed RoboCop 2 and an episode of Amazing Stories called Hell to Pay. Hmm. Uh, to pay like with the hair yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the uh the writers here uh lee brackett uh wrote the big sleep rio bravo the long goodbye which is like one of my favorite movies of Mm -hmm. all time and uh an episode of archer way back in the 70s so (laughs) talk about ahead of her time yeah uh yeah she's also very well known for a series of books the ginger star series um which are much like star wars in that it's it's space fantasy it's they have spaceships, but they also have swords. I mean, it's interesting. It, it's it's. Have you read of any of them? I have not. Okay, but I am familiar with them, and so they tapped her to to kind of create this more epic lore, which I think is where you're probably going to get things like Yoda. And I also uh, feel like she she lends it a lot of like the classical film feeling of like the because the Han character feels very 
uh, derivative of like a Philip Marlowe type. Mm. But yeah, because she she has written both of the like the big uh, live action Philip Marlowe movies with The Long Goodbye and The Big Sleep. Yeah. Uh, our other writer here, Lawrence Kasdan, uh, wrote like The Big Chill, Silverado, The Bad Wider movie. Yeah, Ra- Ra- <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, with George Lucas, right? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of our story here is George Lucas, who wrote the first couple trilogies, or the stories for the first couple trilogies. Mm-hmm. And he, wrote and directed the original Star Wars, which is no Right, small and thing. he directed all three of the prequel trilogies. Correct. And uh, he obviously wrote the Indiana Jones films, and... American Graffiti, THX 1138, which he wrote and directed both of those. Directed, I think the last big film he directed was Red Tails. Yes. Was that the last thing he did? That was a while ago. Uh, Yeah, I think that was the last film that he did. And then Wasn't that like sold... 10 years ago? No, that was like 2014. Was it? Feels longer ago than that. 2012. 2012, oh, okay, eight okay. years Slightly ago. Slightly longer ago. Yeah, interesting. And I guess he didn't direct it. He just it was he just produced it. Sorry. Ha, did he ever play a character in the uh, in the movies? Um, I know he did on Star Tours. <laughs> I I know that his his son is in uh, one of the prequel trilogy movies. Yes, his son and his daughter. I um, think his son dies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's. I'm sure he must appear somewhere. Yeah. Because um, most most people in the a lot of people in the crew make John Williams made it into the Star Wars yeah. movie. So. Mark Hamill is uh, Luke Skywalker here. You probably know him from Corvette Summer. I actually Slipstream. Really, slipstream. I don't know Slipstream. <gasps> slipstream. Oh man, that's a great one. Um, have you seen Corvette Summer though? I've not. It's so great. It's him and Annie Potts, and they're just oh, adorable together. I do love Annie Potts. He's the Joker. He's the Joker. Lots of cartoon voices. Yeah. He works uh, with a buddy of ours on uh, the the justice current league. justice league but our friends doing superman's voice on that show he's the new voice of chucky he took over for brad oh, dorf in the latest reboot and he's just an overall great guy seems cool he's a very uh he, he's on twitter a lot and uh he's a very amusing person uh harrison ford was han solo um, i can just tell you the characters that he's played and you know who they are from their movies yeah uh jack ryan indiana jones rick deckard richard kimball president james marshall yeah everybody knows harrison ford carrie fisher was princess leia mm-hmm. um she was uh rob's mom mia on catastrophe which you still need to watch with me because it's great it's an All amazon right. original around series she played Rosemary Howard on an episode of 30 Rock that I love. Oh, God, she's great on that. Yeah, she was like, uh, she was Liz Lemon's idol. Mm-hmm. And so she tries to hire her to write for the girly show. But all of her pitches are getting rejected by by uh, Jack until she gets fired from the show. And uh, after hanging out with her for a while, uh, Liz kind of decides that she's just literally crazy. Yeah. It's like she keeps drinking from this thermos. Yeah. And Liz takes a sip of it. It's like, this is vodka. Yeah. <laughs> she's just been she's, drinking this whole time. One of my favorite lines from her in that episode is when she's like, come on, Liz. It's the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> it was like 2007. <laughs> um, but uh, she's also in The Burbs, When Harry Met Sally, Austin yeah. Powers. Uh, uh, well, her partner, Austin Powers. is. is it's a cameo, yeah, but, but it's still. But uh, I do love her part in uh uh when when harry met sally her and bruno kirby yeah because the whole the whole joke of that was they were on a double date for the other two but yeah. they hook up with each other yeah said and she uh she also has a cameo in was it jane silent bob strike back where she was the nun 
Yeah. Oh, the hitchhiking nun. But she was also a, a prolific script doctor um, on like every romantic comedy from like the 90s and the aughts. Well, she's also in one of my favorites. What's that? Drop Dead Fred. Oh, yeah. Who is she in Drop Dead Fred? She's the best friend that like yeah. tries to help her uh, help uh, Phoebe Cates when she's getting a divorce. Oh, okay. And she, she owns a riverboat for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> a riverboat? Yeah, that Drop Dead Fred fr- sinks. Yes. Oh, but then she gets all this insurance money, and so she's happy about it. I need to watch that movie again. It's, it's been a while. It's so great. And then um, you need to watch the How Did This Get Made episode of it. <laughs> oh, is there a How Did This Get Made? It's And it's the most amazing episode they've ever done because they're so divided. And Jason Manzukis and June are both in the, we love this movie. How dare you? <laughs> I might have heard that one then. I, I definitely remember him like madly defending a movie. Yeah. It's interesting that it's not the first time I've heard this because another friend of mine said that he's been discussing this with people. If you saw it when you were younger, you are in the camp of I love this movie it is one but of the best. That's and if not you the didn't, case in that episode of How Did This Get oh, Made? Oh, it's not? Yeah, because they, I think June was seeing it for the first time. Uh, or I think Jason was seeing it. June had seen it, I think. Oh, okay. And, but Jason had not seen it before and was just, he said, I was crying. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did hear this one then. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's great. Uh, Billy D. Williams is Lando Calrissian. Um, he obviously plays Lando in uh, the new trilogy, and he was Lando in the Lego movie. Mm-hmm. They got everybody who did their their own character voices when there's the Star Wars cameo, except yeah. for Han Solo, which was your buddy did the mm-hmm. voice of Han Solo in the Lego movie. Oh yeah, Keith Ferguson. Keith Ferguson. What does he do at DreamWorks? So uh, Keith was uh, our voice actor uh, sound alike for King Julian. Oh, okay. But yeah, everyone, uh, Billy D. Williams uh, reprised Lando. Anthony Daniels is C3PO. Mm-hmm. I think Mayhew is Chewbacca. Is Chewbacca in there? Um, He might be. In the Lego movie, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Han Solo is, is your friend. But more importantly, Billy D. also played Harvey Dent. Right. It was sad because he played Harvey Dent twice for Tim Burton, but he never got to turn into Two Face. Yeah. Uh, and he, but he got to play Two Face. In, in a the, different Lego movie. <laughs> and I was like, yay, he finally got it. He also weirdly plays Judge Reinhold in the movie Fanboys, which I'm assuming is an actual judge. Um, yeah, I believe probably so. probably a joke within the movie. I haven't seen that movie like since it came out practically. And uh, he also plays Pastor Charlie in Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. Which where, you worked on? Which I worked on uh, <laughs> with Billy D. Williams. That was the project where I got to meet uh, Winston Zedmore. Um we enjoyed the macaroni and cheese that they had at the craft services there. Um, craft services. And watching Empire and watching Billy Dee's performance, I was like, man, Donald Glover the is perfect, choice. perfect yeah. for, for Orlando. I mean, I'll never see Solo, but before <laughs> before they even started shooting it, I was like, if they don't get Donald Glover for this, they're crazy because he's such the right choice. Uh, Anthony Daniels was C-3PO. He's in every Star Wars movie. He might be the only person in every Star Wars movie. Yeah. But I think he's he says he's officially done now too. Right. Well, they might be done making the movies. Maybe it'll just be TV shows from here on since they canceled all their upcoming stuff. And I'm sure Ryan Johnson's trilogy will fall through and they, they canceled the Benioff trilogy and mm. all that's left is like Favreau's going to do a trilogy and uh, Feige is going to do a trilogy. It's just going to be the Marvel Universe. Yeah. <laughs> because they're like hey, why don't we lean into the filmmakers that are uh, actually turning out decent films? Right. But, uh, yeah. Uh, Anthony Daniels uh, plays C-3PO in all of the movies except for 
Rogue One, I don't think, has C-3PO, and Solo doesn't have C-3PO. Uh, R- R- Rogue One has C-3PO. Okay, but, um, I don't but know Solo, Solo, he plays a different character then. Yeah. Because he's definitely in all of them. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the, the C-3PO R2-D2 cameo in Rogue One is just like... Pfft. Yeah. I, I'm not the biggest Rogue One fan. I mean, I, I like it okay, I am. But... <laughs> it's probably my favorite <laughs> of those movies. I agree with that. But... um. Uh, Anthony Daniels is also Legolas in the uh, Bakshi Lord of the Rings. David Prowse played Darth Vader. He's technically (laughs) one of three people playing Darth Vader in this film. Mm -hmm. He did not know that his voice was going to be dubbed in the first movie until he saw it in theaters. And he famously spoiled the ending of this one publicly before it was even shot because he just guessed Uh. the twist. (laughs) (laughs) Like he went to some like presentation and it's like, oh yeah i'm gonna uh, you, the second one's gonna be great you find out i'm luke's dad and all this other stuff and people are like wait what why are you telling us that <laughs> and the studio got mad about it but uh i don't think the studio liked working with david prouse anyway yeah uh peter mayhew was chewbacca he's just a wonderful uh loving person or he was we just recently lost him yeah he, he played chewbacca all the way up until i think force awakens was his last time yeah and his imdb credits are almost exclusively chewy or himself he was also a prolific redditor and was always fun to see him just pop up in the comments on random posts kenny baker was r2d2 mm-hmm. he he uh was fidget in time bandits yeah and he'll be back later this year in elephant man uh frank oz was the yoda voice uh he's obviously fozzy and miss piggy in the muppet movies he was also the puppeteer i was gonna say he was probably one of several puppeteers because for that... some reason imdb just says voice but i'm pretty sure he was the puppeteer yeah. He directed an episode of Leverage in season four. Well, he directs lots of stuff. Yeah, but uh, oh, well, we have a Leverage crew member he, here. Yeah, uh, that was after me, or that was before my You started season. with five? Yeah. Okay. He also directed Dark Crystal, Little Shop of Horrors, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, uh, What About Bob? So, good stuff. The Score, Robert De Niro and Ed Norton. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> trying to be kind to Mr. Oz, but you had to go there. Alec Guinness plays Ben. Uh, Benjamin, Obi-Wan, Kenobi. <laughs> Benjamin, Watson, Obi-Wan. <laughs> Thoroughgood. Uh, he's Kenobi. in Bridge Over River Kwai. He's great, he's great in that movie. I love his like last line in the film. Um, he's also uh, the butler in Murder by Death. Yes. The blind butler. Um, he'll be back later this year in Raise the Titanic. And he was Prince Faisal in Lawrence of Arabia. Those are his big ones. Um, also, I... I would say pretty famously did not like these movies and regretted yeah. being a part of them. Yeah, he, you know, he he didn't know what it was going to be. Uh, he got roped into it, and and then you know, I don't know if he was contractually obligated to continue to come back. Yeah, um, but I'm sure he, you know, all, since all this stuff is like comped in. Yeah, it looked like, like when Marlon Brando shows up as like yeah as a superman's dad it was just like can you shoot me in a room for one day <laughs> then, yeah then fine i'll come back yeah uh i'm sure it was just the the most medium work probably done in his own home because <laughs> yeah. i don't want to do this yeah he, he he was not a fan of these movies i think because that took what, over his career correct yeah and 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 no one remembers you know, people think about Guinness it's the first thing that they go to but honestly going through his imdb i was like i'm surprised there's not more here like other big movies that he was in because going through it like those are really like the only three that i felt like commenting on well uh he also was in the bbc series uh which is excellent of the uh uh tinker taylor soldier spy and smiley's people oh okay uh which would you know be remade 
as a film with Gary Oldman. Right. Uh, but he, he played the Gary Oldman character, Smiley, yeah. in those movies. And he's, it, they're really, really dry, but really good spy shows. But he's like kind of the anti-Bond mm-hmm. because he's like kind of a layman, like everyman type person. Yeah, but he's, you know, he's not afraid to get into the, to the right. books. Right, yeah. He also played Hitler in something called Hitler the Last Ten Days that I hadn't heard of. Mm. But uh, interesting to see Alec Guinness in that role. Uh, Jeremy Bullock played Boba Fett. Um, he plays Smithers in For Your Eyes Only and Octopussy. I don't remember mm. that character. It must be someone at the British intelligence. Yeah, thing. that would be my guess. Jack Purvis was uh, Chief Ugnot. He played Chief Jawa in Episode 4. And he's Ugnot here uh, in Cloud City. And he's also in the Gilliam trilogy of, mm-hmm. what is it called? The, the Dreams trilogy. Dreams trilogy, that's what I thought. And, and he's he's not in like like a costume. Like he, he's yeah. just playing an actor yes. <laughs> like he, like, in all three of them right? yeah yeah he doesn't he, like you know he plays ugnaughts and all that stuff in in the star wars movies but in 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 time bandits brazil and in in especially in baron he's right. just playing he's able to just be himself as a person i feel like he gets the most to do in adventures of baron munchausen of those three yeah i mean his, his character is yeah is very small in brazil but not in time bandits is he's probably as a pretty big role too yeah but he's splitting the role with like all the other time bandits and yeah. they're all kind of playing the same part whereas in adventures of baron munchausen he has a very like specific role in yeah, the film a specific set of skills yeah he's also in dark crystal the labyrinth willow so a lot of good stuff clive revel was the voice of the emperor uh i guess that was just in the original release correct and then they replaced him with ian mcdermott in the the 2004 edition but clive revel plays uh the fire marshal in robin hood men in tights um, he plays Cletus in Gentleman Broncos. Oh. He played Alfred for three episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Okay. And he was also a friend of MacGyver's in the MacGyver episode. Who <laughs> dies very early. That's the episode where uh, MacGyver gets shot in the head and forgets who he is. Oh, okay. I think it's called DOA MacGyver. Uh, Kenneth Colley played Admiral Pete or Pite. Pete. Piet. Piet. Um, he played Jesus in Life of Brian. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't think there was a lot of other credits uh, to bring up there, but no. that, that cracked me up. Julian Glover is General Veers. Um, he, he's the one who's the ground the ground the ground general. So he's right. the he's on the walker. Um, obviously, we, I was <laughs> I was gonna say Last Crusade. Yeah. Uh, James Bond and For Your Eyes Only. Uh, you know he's he's also Aragog in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Mm. And I guess most recently, Game of Thrones, where he plays the Grand Maester for uh, Queen Cersei, who's always pretending to be a doddering old man, but is actually quite capable. Yeah. Um, he In uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, he's the one who chose poorly, right? Correct. Yeah, it's the one who... Well, he didn't choose. Elsa intentionally sabotaged him. Yeah, but then the knight accuses him of choosing poorly. Yeah. Um, maybe he chose uh, his, his mistress poorly. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Boa plays uh, Rebel Force General Reekin. This is the guy who's on the ground in the in the war room on Hoth, making all the all the decisions, mm-hmm. um, or I guess following through on decisions that Leia makes. But um, he played Pogue Colonel in Full Metal Jacket. He plays a U.S. General in Octopussy. Uh, he plays Henry Maturin in Razor's Edge, which I love. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just now picturing his look and voice from octopussy and i yep. know exactly who he is yep 
And uh, he's also a policeman in Return to Oz, which I'm assuming, is it from when they're bringing her to the hospital at the beginning? That sounds right. Must be. Because I think she gets out of a police car at the place. Malcolm, uh, Christopher Malcolm was uh, Rebel Force Zev, Rogue Two. This is the guy who finds them the next morning after their cold night. Uh, He plays Kirk Matunas in Highlander, and he's also the dad in Labyrinth that leaves the Mm. leaves the baby with uh with our heroine um not heroin the drug but (laughs) never uh, leave your babies with heroin (laughs) but but heroin the child murderer yes (laughs) uh dennis lawson was rebel force wedge rogue three yeah um antilles yeah wedge antilles he uh he's half of uh biggs and wedge who get called out in like 20 Final Fantasy games mm-hmm. because Star Wars fans are in charge of translating things from Japanese to English, apparently. But uh, he's also, uh, his nephew liked Star Wars so much that he auditioned for the the prequel trilogy and was cast as Obi-Wan. Ewan McGregor is his nephew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John Ratzenberger uh, was Rebel Force Major Durlin. Yeah, Brian uh, Durlin. I, I don't remember seeing him in this movie. There are probably t- didn't have a beard. There are two people who I suspect are him only because they're the only two people that have mustaches. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was like, I figure like John Ratzenberger always has a mustache. Yeah. And he's, there's, there's two rebel officers that speak to Han Solo. Uh, and one that they show in the trench that yeah. says, come on. I was like, I'm pretty sure one of these guys is John Ratzenberger. Yeah. So I would have said it was the Yeti. <laughs> Sure. Does he, <laughs> that would have been great yeah because <laughs> he was the yeti and monsters inc yeah he's also uh he's in cheers obviously he's basically the anthony daniels of pixar because anthony daniels is in all the star wars movies and john ratzenberg's in all the pixar movies yeah and right now at least we have uh stan lee is in all the marvel movies although that's going to change soon john ratzenberger can also never own a restaurant uh, Bob Anderson uh, played the Imperial officer, uncredited, but he's the second of three Darth Vader performers. He did all the sword fighting, all the lightsaber fighting, uh, because he is a fight choreographer, a world-famous fight choreographer, and uh, Olympic fencer. But uh, What's his name again? Bob Anderson. I had, so in the, the making of, he was fighting a guy, uh, Peter Diamond? Peter Diamond is another stuntman. Oh, okay, okay. Then he was sparring with Peter Diamond, and he was saying that Peter was in the first one as a Tuscan Raider who attacked him, but he was really, uh, Mark Hamill was being really nervous about having anybody film them practicing the fight scenes. Oh, really? Yeah, because he's like, I look really bad when I'm practicing because they add all this other stuff to make, you know, they cut it so that it looks really good. And, you know, and like, and, and like, I don't screw up and like, it just, it looks really cheesy when there's no sound effects and I just fall on a mattress. And <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So he was all self-conscious yeah. about it. But uh, Bob Anderson here did stunts on uh, from Russia with love uh, the Highlander. Uh, he taught all the sword fighting for the Highlander. And uh, he also worked on Movie 43. Oh, no. And, and Fred 3. <laughs> Do you know what Fred 3 is? Is that Fred Claus? No, oh. Fred is like a YouTube celebrity. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> the kid with the high-pitched voice. And they made three of those movies. And Bob Anderson worked on the third one. That's one of his last credits. Joe Johnston is uncredited as Captain Sean Valdez. Yeah. A Hoth rebel. He's also the visual effects yeah. One of the visual effects credits. 
I believe the visual effects credit. I wonder if he was on set. Yeah. But obviously, Joe Johnston will go on to direct many, many classic films of our childhood. The Jurassic Rocketeer. Park 3. <laughs> <laughs> the Rocketeer. Captain America. Yes, Captain America. The first uh, Captain America. I, I, I will accept the first Captain America. I don't really like that movie, but <laughs> it's all right. But yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Rocketeer are the go-tos for him. <laughs> James Earl Jones was the voice of Darth Vader. Also uncredited, strangely. But uh, but you know it's him. Yeah, you know you know James Earl Jones. Um, he played uh, Bleeding Gums Murphy. Um, no, was that him? I don't think it was. But he, that guy was doing a parody of James Earl Jones. Yeah. Because uh, uh, James Earl Jones, though, was a frequent Simpsons. Uh, he's one right. of Kang or Kodos. But he, in the episode where all the phases are showing up in the clouds, yeah, the, those are all not James Earl Jones. Yeah, but they are all James Earl Jones characters. Yes. Including uh, the This is CNN. <laughs> yeah, This is CNN. And then you have Darth Vader and you have uh, uh, Mufasa. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I didn't get the joke until very recently when he says, Kimba, I mean Simba. Like right. I thought the joke was just like, oh, I forgot your name, even though I'm your dad. Yeah. But the joke is that it's just a huge ripoff of Kimba the White Lion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But somehow that, that went right over my head before. But uh, yeah, James Earl Jones is great. Um, He'll work with Harrison. Uh, oh no, sorry, not Harrison Ford. It was a different Jack Ryan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> was it Ben Affleck? Uh, wait, no, he does work with uh, he does work with Harrison Ford in in one of them because he he is a through line character for uh, the Jack Ryan characters. He's oh, in, okay. He's in Ron October, but I think in the one the Harrison Ford one, he's he's dying. Uh, Harrison Ford's in more than one Jack Ryan. Yeah, uh, the one that James Earl Jones is for sure is in the uh, Clear and Present Danger. Yes. And that is for sure Harrison Ford. Um, and he's also in, uh, I like him in Dr. Strangelove, which is like one of his first movies. Mm-hmm. But he's one of the guys on the, on the with Slim Pickens and the bomber. Yeah, and uh, he plays action. King Joffe in Coming to America. <laughs> right. Ian McDermott uh, is the emperor in the 2004 version right. of Moving Forward. Uh, he's the, the voice of the emperor here. Um, and... Uh, he obviously came back to play Palpatine in the prequel trilogy and maybe in the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Spoiler alert. What else has he done? Ian McDermott? Yeah. Oh, uh, he was in Dragon Slayer. That's a, that's one I know off the top of my head. Okay. Uh, uh, that's a, that's a fun Disney movie. Is that on Disney plus? Um, I don't know. I want to look it up now. Yeah. It's uh, it's a weird fantasy fight. High fantasy movie with uh, Peter McNichol as the lead. Um, really? Yeah. And okay, now I have to see it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. You also need to see Slipstream, by the way. Uh, Is he in that too? No, but uh, that was the one I mentioned for Mark yes. Hamill. Yeah. Yeah, Dragon Slayer will have that in 81. I just want to verify that I, Ian McDermott is in this. Oh, yes, Dylan yeah. McDermott. No, Shit. <laughs> yeah, there he is. Yeah, so Dragon Slayer is a, is a fun one. Isn't he also in The Phantom? The, the Phantom? The Phantom. Not, not Ben Affleck, but... Uh, Bad Billy, guy, Titanic bad Billy guy. Zane. Billy Zane. <laughs> Think back to our animated. Oh yeah, uh, the Billy Zane movies. Yeah. Oh no, he's in the Phantom Menace. Oh, <laughs> isn't that the sequel to the Phantom? Am I confused? Ralph McQuarrie plays General McQuarrie, uncredited. I don't remember a General McQuarrie in this. Yeah, but uh, I know who Ralph McQuarrie is. Yeah, because he basically designed the whole look of this entire franchise. He's basically uh, 
Ralph McQuarrie is to Star Wars as H.R. Giger is to Alien. Uh, and his illustrations are still being used to decide what things are going to look like yeah. in all the new movies and in uh, all the Disney Plus shows that they're spinning off and everything. And apparently Treat Williams is in here. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was like, Treat Williams? Uh, he's credited or uncredited as Echo Base Trooper, according to IMDb. But I don't, I didn't see Treat Williams in here. Mm. But I didn't see John Ratzenberger, and he's much more recognizable than Treat Williams is. Uh, no offense to the substitute. Is there anything else you guys wanted to dig into, Richard? You're good. Um, I, I think, I think, I think we've done a pretty good job. Yeah. And we don't care if you disagree. <laughs> we tried real hard. It's like a two-hour episode. We don't have many of those. It's basically this in ninth configuration so far. Jess, up or down? It's an up. Yeah. Richard? It's up. You like this one? I like this one. All right. <laughs> um, I'm going to say down just because... No, I'm just kidding. It's up. Um, up, up is good. It's good. Uh, letterboxed. Richard. <laughs> I already know. You yeah. told me earlier. Yeah. Uh, it, it is my number one. Is it? Uh, I don't know if it's, if it's going to be capable of being dethroned, but we'll see. Yeah, for this year at least. I, um, I think we'll start the the lists over I, each year. I, I watched this movie by myself, and I was all my face hurt from smiling. Yeah. <laughs> so I love Star Wars so much. Um, Jess, letterboxed. I'm gonna put it at the top. All right. I am also putting it in second place. <laughs> um, just behind Caligula. <laughs> no, it's it's just just under Forbidden Zone, which is another one that you ranked down in your Caligula zone. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the only marks I have against it are that you could have taken maybe 15, 20 minutes out of the middle where it mm. kind of drags in places where I never get bored watching forbidden zone, but that's, that's my only, uh, my only complaint here. I think that's everything we have for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are vintage video pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and letterboxd. Or as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can also support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we will be discussing Carney, which tells the following story according to IMDb. Tired of her dull job as a waitress, Donna decides to join two carnival hustlers and see what life in their field is like. We leave you now with the trailer for Carney.
I care about you. Let's just get her out of here by the time we open. Hey, look, I didn't leave some hick town just to dropped off in the middle of nowhere. What is this, girlfriend time or something? What do you mean, girlfriend Is this your time? girlfriend out here? It's not my girlfriend, it's our girlfriend. Both dream, win a prize. All right, you want to play again? It's not hustle on this one. How do you think he'd feel if he knew? Well, what makes you think he doesn't know? You know what's wrong with you? You're hung up on the chick. What are you talking about, chick? What am I talking about? I'm talking about Donna. There ain't no room in the middle with those guys. Gary Busey, Jody Foster, Robbie Robertson, Carney, 